Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Life comes from death. Does that sound contradictory or inexplicable or even impossible? Welcome to Core Principles. And remember, this core principle, God specializes in the impossible. From the beginning, at least the beginning of the universe, God created everything out of nothing. He created all life in the physical world where there was previously nothing. He built into his creation the signs by which we can know he is the creator. Romans 1.20 states clearly this obvious reality. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived being understood by what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Well, who are they in that verse? They are people who reject the truth that God is creator and lawgiver. And what is his divine nature? One of the attributes of his divine nature is that he is glorious, and we exist to glorify him. So does the rest of creation. Psalm 19 starts with this beautiful observation. The heavens tell of the glory of God, and their expanse declares the work of his hands. And in the sixth verse of Psalm 97, we hear again that we are witnesses to this. Thus we are aware. Thus we are without excuse to deny it. Psalm 97 verse 6 says, The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the peoples have seen his glory. The Psalms give us many beautiful word pictures of God's glory, and of his love for us, and of his righteousness, and of his justice. In fact, the very first Psalm is a great example. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he, such a man, shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also will not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. The ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Well, that is a beautiful psalm and very powerful. I want to point out here that the image from Psalm 1 of a tree planted by rivers of water 
is the chosen logo of my church, Grace Fellowship, and that much of the inspiration for this episode of Core Principles came from things that our pastor, Kevin Gauntz, has taught. Psalm 1 says, The person who walks in God's will rather than in worldly ways will be like a tree planted by a river that bears fruit and will not wither, but will prosper. Don't you want that? I know I do. So let's consider trees. Let's consider life. Let's consider God's design and his miraculous creation. Trees start from seeds. And at the beginning of this episode, the first thing I said was, life comes from death. Trees growing from seeds illustrate that perfectly. In the Gospel of John, in the 12th chapter, Jesus spoke of his impending crucifixion, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Notice again the reference to growing fruit. That was the stated beneficial action in Psalm 1, and again the stated beneficial action to which Jesus said we should aspire. Because bearing fruit glorifies God. Our purpose, like the purpose of all creation, is to glorify God. And just as a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, then gives forth life and bears much fruit, so also a seed falls into the earth and dies and gives life as a tree, which is to bear much fruit and to glorify God. Think about that seed. When it falls into the earth, if it gets into the soil, and that soil is good, that poor little seed is cold and under great pressure and dead. It literally cracks and breaks. You ever feel like that? God is at work in that seed because God is the life giver. And God is at work in your life, especially when you're feeling cold, when you're feeling under pressure, when you feel like you're dying and cracking and breaking. Because God is your life giver. God has plans for you, plans to prosper you for his glory. God wants you to bear much fruit. And as Psalm 1 told us, if we also, like God, want to bear much fruit, then we must be a person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but a person who delights in the law of the Lord. We must seek and do his will. And then, We will be like a tree planted by a river of water, and we will bring forth fruit, and we will glorify God, and we will not wither, we will prosper. Well, how do trees stay alive and grow? By getting water. Trees have roots for this purpose, and through those roots, trees draw up water into their limbs and into their branches and into their leaves and fruit. And those roots are the strength of the trees. By those roots, trees are able to stand throughout storms and wind. 
if their roots are deeper, then the trees are stronger. But how do trees get deeper roots? Trees get deeper roots by going through drought. In case you aren't tracking with this analogy, you are the tree in this story. You get stronger by going through hardships, just like trees get stronger by going through drought. And there's another benefit from your hardships. God loves us and wants eternal relationships with us. Our relationship with God must be one in which we are dependent on him. We cannot make it without God. And God specializes in the impossible. So when difficult situations arise in our lives, those are meant to push us closer to God, who will see us through them. The more impossible the situation, the more you should be certain God is working on your behalf because he loves you. Let's look at a specific kind of tree. What about sequoia trees? Let's see what we can learn from Sequoia dendron giganteum, the giant sequoia or the Sierra redwood tree. These massive creations can be about 300 feet tall. According to a scientific technique called dendrochronology, sequoias might live over 3,000 years. God made them to have a special sap which contains an acid called tannic acid that provides some fire resistance. That's a great feature, of course, because guess what liberates the seeds of sequoia cones? Heat, and particularly the heat of fire. So again, the analogy, you are the tree. Heat and fire are uncomfortable. Indeed, they can kill. But life comes from death. God's plans will always prevail. He loves you, and he wants you to prosper for his glory. The circle is beautiful, isn't it? With sequoia being so tall, you'd expect that they must have very deep roots or else they'd topple. But that is not God's design for sequoia. They have shallow root systems. Well, how then do they not topple? Sequoia live only in groves with other sequoia. They intertwine roots with one another. They literally support one another and hold one another up. You are the tree. God created you to be in community with others. God created you to support and to hold others up. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul reminds us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Isn't that beautiful? And God created all of us to need relationships with each other because we are reflections of God's likeness. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 say this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness, 
and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There's so much in those two verses, isn't there? I was talking about relationships, so let's notice that part of being created in the image and likeness of God. It is being a relational being. God is relational. In the passage I just read, it refers to God saying, let us make mankind in our image. God is a holy trinity, three in one. Before any of the physical universe existed, God is in relationship. And God desires a relationship with you. So much so that he sent his only son, Jesus, part of the Trinity that is God, to suffer and die as payment for every sin you ever commit, if you will accept him as your Lord and choose to be in eternal relationship with God. Another element of that passage in Genesis is the reminder that most of us never imagined would be so necessary. Male and female, he created them. There are exactly two sexes. There are exactly two genders. God created us. And God will not be mocked. In fact, the attempts to mock God are literally inspired by God's enemy, known as Satan. Back to the relational nature of God. Later in the creation account in Genesis, we find the only time God observed something about it that was not yet complete because it was not good. Then the Lord God said, It is not good. For man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on the man, and he slept. And then God took one of man's ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man, and brought her to the man. And then the man said, At last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And there, listeners, we see God's relational nature. And we see that he created us for relationships. And God alone is the one who can define the special relationship of holy matrimony or marriage. God defines marriage as husband plus wife. No other relationship is marriage, no matter what governments may say. God is the only one who can define that relationship, and God will not be mocked. 
I quoted Galatians chapter 6 earlier, and we're going to conclude with that chapter as well. It all ties together. The trees, the relationships, the bearing of one another's burdens, the dependence on God, the fact that God will not be mocked, and the analogies in which we are like trees. Listen to Galatians 6, verses 6 through 10. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let's not become discouraged in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not become weary. So then, while we have the opportunity, let's do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. It all ties together. It's a beautiful circle. Those verses in Galatians refer to the harvest laws. Life comes from death. God is creator and lawgiver. We are to have relationship with God and relationships with other people. We are to glorify God and to uphold his truth to others in love. Because truth and love are equivalent. God is truth and God is love. Be the tree that God made you to be. Have a blessed day. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.